to Beyond Well. I'm Sheila Hamilton, and this is a program for people who want to learn more about our interior lives. There are three clear legacies from the COVID-19 pandemic, and they all derive from our unnatural and unpleasant circumstances that have been imposed by the pandemic and the necessary public health response. The first thing I think we can talk about today is the need for security, because this pandemic has filled us with so much uncertainty and insecurity. And the second thing is sociability. Humans are social animals, and this isolation that was imposed by COVID-19 is debilitating. But the transition back will be equally as difficult as we come to grips with all of the myriad of ways that our social lives and our public lives have been impacted by COVID-19. Here to talk about that is Dr. Jim Polo. Hi, Dr. Polo. So good to see you. Sheila, it's good to see you again, too. Um, I am hearing more moms now talk about the stress of a mixed transition being actually worse than the stress of knowing you were trapped at home. Are you hearing the same thing? Yes. Yes. I'm hearing the very same thing. I want you to describe for me what sorts of solutions you were offering for people when they were dealing with the nonstop quality of taking care of their kids and trying to teach from home. What were you helping people think about? Well, remember when all of the recommendations for, you know, staying at home, working at home, teaching kids at home started, it was very abrupt. And one of the things that parents had a difficult time adjusting to, first of all, was becoming kind of teachers at the same time that their parents, while they're still trying to do their normal activities of which many were working. So a couple of things that we recommended was, you know, create a routine, set your child up for success by creating an area where they could work, where they could be connected to their laptop or to their computer to pay attention in school. And then, of course, depending on the age of the child, the parent had to be somewhat present or at least around to kind of supervise some of that. But it was all about creating a sense of of a routine for that child to know what to expect and what was expected of them each day. Yeah. It's interesting because all of the effort has to be into making the child comfortable, but I think probably the psyches of a lot of parents were really under strain during this. I'm thinking, for instance, of dual working families, which is most of America, and who decides that they have to take care of Zoom teaching, (laughs) you know, who decides that they get to work all day long, and who does all of the extra meals and the extra wash, and I cannot imagine the stress level for parents who have kids this age. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The this, this stress was huge. For one, you know, parents, like anybody else, were first of all worried about the health of their kids. We didn't yeah. know, you know, is this virus dangerous to kids? What would happen if they get it? So that was a concern. Yeah. Parents, of course, are worried about themselves, wanting to make sure that yeah. they're healthy. Then worried about the psychological development of their child, both uh, from the perspective of being able to be around friends, be with other kids, but being in school and learning. And then all of this brought home for the parents to kind of be in charge of. Yeah. Enormous, enormous stress on on families. So now what I understand is there's this patchwork quality of decision-making both in businesses and in schools, which is, all right, on Monday, Wednesday, you're coming in, but Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, you're not doing anything different than you're doing now. I cannot imagine how people are coping with this. Yeah. You know, the challenge is, is that despite all the changes that occurred, 
people got used to it. They got yeah. uh, they got into a pattern that made sense. They they kind of had a sense of what to expect. And you know, the reality is, to some degree, they adapted. And now, what's going to happen is we're going to be asking people, "Hey, it's time for you to change again." And furthermore. You don't really get to decide what that change is going to be. We're going to kind of tell you what it is. And so in some ways, I think it's going to be more difficult. And if you think about it, having a child that is now going to be doing some on-site as well as some virtual is, is going to be, it's going to wreak havoc on scheduling and getting kids to school and arranging with other parents to, you know, carpool, whatever is going to happen to be able to make that all work. It's going to be hard. I remember um, just being so stressed out on snow days when I didn't have school for my daughter and I had to go to work and there, and the, all of the childcare is closed. This has been like 365 days of snow days <laughs> for parents. I mean, it has just been a marathon. So psychological tips to help people cope during this time, especially, I guess you just fall back on that whole thing of, you know, making priorities and making sure that the health and safety is still taken care of and that you find joy. But what other things can you offer people, Dr. Polo? Um, Well, first of all, specifically when it comes to kids, preparing them again for a new level of change. And oh, by the way, a new level of change, that's probably still not the final change. And, and continuing to provide a sense of security that beyond all of this, they're going to be okay. Whether it's uh, a school schedule that's slightly different from their best friends, or whether now they have to get up at a slightly different hour, or one day is different from the next, but helping them to have a routine, mixing that routine with the parents' routine, mm. and kind of setting up some expectations is probably still the best recommendation to, to give for kids. Remember that there have been a lot of good things about the pandemic that sometimes people forget about. In in some ways, kids are a little bit more self-reliant. Mm. A lot of kids have learned how to cook. Yeah. A lot of kids have figured out how to keep themselves entertained. A lot of kids have figured out quickly how to use that, uh, you know, um, mobile phone a little bit better in terms of communicating. Yeah, adolescents have had to be a little bit more, you know, self-regulating in terms of getting their their work done. So, in in some ways, kids have become a little bit more self-reliant, mm. and we may be asking them now to not be so self-reliant and suddenly fit back into where everything's kind of being done for them. Yeah, that may not right. may not sit well with some kids. I know that there has been an increase in self-reported cases of depression and anxiety among young people. And I'm wondering if you can give parents some guidance about things to watch for during this transition when it appears that someone who might have been suffering with a little of those things just isn't coming back into their normal fray. Yeah, this is a very important issue. First of all, for any child, when you see that they're kind of changing away from their baseline, you should be concerned. You know, a child, let's say, for example, that is normally outgoing and vivacious or interactive, that's suddenly withdrawn or not wanting to be around other people, I mean, regardless of a pandemic, that would be a concern because kids usually, you know, they will face lots of stressors but they'll recover quickly and go back to their baseline. So when you see your kid's behavior where it's changing, but it's not kind of going back, you've got to think twice about what does that really mean? So things like moodiness, mm-hmm. chronic irritability, difficulty sleeping, social withdrawal, eating more, 
eating less can also be a, a subtle sign that, that a child is not necessarily happy or not necessarily doing well with the stress that's around them. Keep in mind that families have actually spent a lot more time together. And in many cases, this has been a positive. A lot of families have told me, hey, we've had more quality time together than we've ever had. Yeah. Now, nonetheless, kids still need to be out and about with other kids doing their own things. And so, you know, it's going to be a transition time where I think there are going to be some families that feel like they're losing a little bit. Hey, yeah. I don't get to see my kid as often. I mean, I know for myself, you know, just spending the year of my daughter sort of coming and going was like a, a bonus year that I, <laughs> I got to have, you know, where I actually was home all the time to cook dinner. It was pretty phenomenal. So parents of older adults seem to have gotten almost a free 365 days to, to go a second round and be somewhat more present and mindful this time around, which was nice. But I know for most parents who have young kids, I've only heard reported stress and anxiety going up. I, I just want to acknowledge the feat that they went through to, to come out on the other side and have not murdered a family member yet. <laughs> yes, yes. So, I know that businesses are going to have to accommodate this in the short run. If you're talking about this from an organizational level, and if you're at a business where you can make these decisions, what would you like people to keep in mind, especially about this work-life balance issue as we try to move forward? Yeah, I, I think that everybody's going to continue, first of all, to need to be flexible. Yeah. So, you know, I think about parents that have challenging jobs. Remember, at the same time that kids' lives might be changing, their lives might be changing too. Yeah. I've heard some, from some folks where they've said, hey, my company is thinking about having us now come back to work. So at the same time that within the family, some kids might be going through some changes, you know, the adults are too. So I think the need for everybody to be flexible, mm -hmm. uh, the need for everybody to adapt a little bit, knowing full well that for all we know, we make a change and a little bit down the road, we have to like change it again. Do you foresee that we will have the kind of immunity, herd immunity, that people will be relatively safe allowing their kids to return to these group, big group settings by this spring? Her, so herd close. immunity is, a, is an interesting concept that's very difficult to explain uh, when you're in the middle of a pandemic. Keep in mind that we are currently vaccinating pretty much the entire adult population, obviously in phases. Mm. It also looks like we are on a clear kind of path to hit about 50 to 60% vaccination by summer at the latest, yeah. likely. Now, the likelihood that we're going to hit that numeric number of 85, 87% vaccination is probably not going to happen. We don't hit that with flu every year. But then again, we also don't really need to hit that with yeah. the flu every year. Right. Yeah. I think we're less worried about whether or not we're going to have herd immunity and more focused on, will we be able to create enough folks that are vigilant and careful about all of their activities, getting vaccinated as well as following whatever recommendations, so that at least we can go back to a semblance of an open lifestyle. Mm. The ability to do things with fun, go out, meet with people, you know, those kinds of things. So are you imagining that even though people may be able to gather, we will still have to wear masks and keep social distance? Yes, I do. Really? Um, I, I highly doubt that we're going to reach a point of not using masks this year. For, oh, first wow. of all, it's been demonstrated that vaccination, what it really does is it protects you 
from having severe COVID illness and the likelihood that you would die from COVID drops off dramatically. That's, yeah. that's the power of vaccination. It's not clear though, that some transmission can still occur even if you're vaccinated. So remember what, what the vaccine does is it creates your immune system so that if you happen to get that virus, your body kills it off before you even know that you had it. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I think there's going to be a period of time in the immediate pandemic period of time where we're going to still continue to wear masks, recommend distancing, you know, gelling everything in the world in front of you. Mm. I think over the next two to three years, we're going to have a period of time where we're going to be going through some adaptations that are social, some that are economic and some that are psychological. It probably isn't going to be until, you know, 2024, 2023, where we really can feel like, okay, the pandemic is now in the rearview mirror. Oh my goodness. What does life really look like for us? I'm kind of glad I haven't really been reading up on this because I really thought that by fall, we'd be mask free and back at concerts shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. I, I think that's what everybody's hoping for. And I think that's what we would all, you know, like, like to have happen but it's probably not going to be the recommendation. Wow. So we're going to have to have a future episode, Dr. Polo, about how to manage disappointment and your own expectations, you know, it's very, right? It's very interesting. I think there are going to be some changes that will come out of this that later on in the future, people will look back and they'll say, oh, I can't believe we ever did that. I, I give you a simple example. Remember in the 1970s, maybe even in the early 1980s, when you Took a flight somewhere. First of all, there was no security. You could get on any plane just about, you know, as long as you yeah. had a little piece of paper. And on top of that, there, there was always a smoking section. I remember, you know, mm. as a teenager, I always wanted to be in the non-smoking, was usually rows one through 12. And yeah. magically, row 13 was the smoking section. Well, yeah. when we figured out that smoking and secondhand smoke was a problem, that literally changed overnight. And yeah. now you wouldn't dream being on a, on a plane where you would smoke. It's just right. become the norm. Yeah. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to th see what kinds of things come out of this that are the new norm. I, mm -hmm. I can't imagine any store in the future that is not going to have gel and handy wipes at the entry. Yeah. Throughout this entire thing, you have been coaching us all along to remain in the moment, be mindful of what we can be grateful for right now to, to create routine and, and find joy in our being. And I think what will cause people distress is if we demand this return to normal, what you're describing is not at all normal. Well, remember, wow. it's, it's not normal compared to what we think of. But for example, a teenager today can't even imagine oh, why yeah. there were ever, you know, ashtrays on a plane because yeah. they've never known anything different. Yeah. And everyone wears seatbelts and doesn't even think a thing about it. You know, Yeah, they didn't grow up with their mom throwing their arm across you when she ran a red light. <laughs> I, I do think the thing that is going to be most significant that people will really, really appreciate is the ability to actually be in connection with other people now back in real life. You yeah. know, we've, we've been emphasizing, keep connected, do it virtually, do yeah. it online do it from six feet apart. Mm -hmm. I actually do think that sooner than we realize, we're going to be able to do more connection that's in real life, more of an ability to, to, to be around each other. Um, and hopefully soon the ability to actually, you know, hug. Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, people think twice before they shake hands for a long period of time. Now, when I see it in the movies, you it know, looks weird. Exactly. <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Dr. Polo, it's always so fun to talk with you. And I think that this conversation is going to give a lot of moms and dads a little bit more grounds to think about being positive throughout this transition and having patience. Yeah, if you think about it, we're at, you know, mile 22 of the marathon. We've got two more grueling miles to get through before we can all say, ah, right? You, you know, I will say one thing that, that hopefully will be reassuring for parents. Kids that are experiencing this pandemic, they're learning so much from it. Yeah. This is not going to be something that they will easily forget, but it's also going to be something that will have helped them be more resilient in the future. Mm. And if nothing else, kids are also seeing the outcome of when communities work together. What happens when people have something that they're kind of fighting against, but they're doing it together? And yeah. our kids are going to have that as an early experience from real life. Mm, that's why I love you. You've been listening to Beyond Well with Dr. Jim Polo. And if you have any comments, and in fact, we're taking email suggestions about topics that you'd like us to cover as well. And if you're listening on a platform where you can give us a thumbs up, we'd sure appreciate that help as well. I'm Sheila Hamilton. Make it a great day. Bye.